Good morning, New City. Grateful to have all of you here this morning. For those of you joining us online, grateful to have you as well. Last week, we jumped back into our story, our journey uh, through the book of Daniel, and we found ourselves in Daniel chapter 6 with maybe the most remembered moment in Daniel's life, Daniel and the Lions then, you remember it. If you have a copy of the scriptures, uh, open up to Daniel chapter 6. We're going to continue in that moment, in that story today. If you have your phones and you have the New City app, my, my outline is there. You can fill in the blanks. If you're a, a blank filler in or you like taking notes that way, you can do that. There's also a study guide to go further with your, with your family or your small group. We'd love for you to take the sermon and go further and deeper into it. We opened the sermon last week and looking at this moment of Daniel in the lion's den with this incredible picture by an artist named Britton Riviere. Uh, he painted this picture in 1872. It's entitled Daniel in the Lion's Den. And we talked about this being probably a, a better picture than maybe what some of us grew up learning. This is an older Daniel. Daniel is in his early 80s when we get to Daniel chapter 6, and he's cast into the, the den of lions. And I, I love his posture. We took a moment last week and just, just paused as we, we took in the picture. Uh, and then he, uh, Britton Riviere painted another picture. And this gets deeper into the story, which we'll get into today, the second part of chapter 6. And he entitled this second picture, Daniel's Answer to the King. So this is a depiction of uh, the, the stone being rolled away from the den of lions and Daniel looking up to King Darius and giving him an answer without a scratch on him in the lion's den. Isn't that great? Those two pictures just really capture the story. You know, they say a, a picture speaks a thousand words. And I wonder what some of the words that enter into your heart and your mind, maybe in your moment and your story as you look at these pictures of, of Daniel and the lion's den and his answer to the king. Our central truth last week, the bottom line for the message, if you will, for the first part of chapter six was, you know, moments don't make people godly. Right? It's, it's not the moment that made Daniel a godly person. It wasn't the lion's den that made Daniel follow God no matter what. Moments don't make people godly. Godly people are made for moments. God prepares their hearts. He, he works inside of them so that they'll be ready for whatever is outside of them, the story or the moment that they find themselves in. What does that really mean? It means that the condition of your heart is more important than the circumstances of your life today. God made Daniel ready for this moment. And Daniel submitted and allowed him to. He, he showed up for that with faith and with trust and, and with submission. And one of the things we talked about last week as we entered into chapter 6 and this incredible moment in Daniel's life that he's probably best known for is that there were all kinds of moments that led up to this memorable moment. All kinds of little moments where Daniel continued to trust God. Secret moments that no one ever saw where he submitted his heart before the Lord. And when you're, everyone watch this, when you're right before God, and, and, and you know that. You can stand before the Lord in his grace, in his presence. When you're, when you're right before God, you'll be ready before anyone. You'll be ready for anything in your life because you're, you're right before God. And, and oftentimes, guys, 
we don't get to pick our stories. A lot of times we don't get to pick our circumstances that we find ourselves in. If we could pick them, we wouldn't be in those circumstances. Are you with me? Oftentimes we don't pick the moments. I'm sure Daniel didn't pick to be thrown into a den of of lions, to see his friends cast into a fiery furnace, to see uh, his his family stripped away from him as a 15-year-old. He didn't pick those moments, but he showed up for them with faith and with trust and with with obedience. And that's the central theme, the, the bottom line truth for the second part of Daniel in the lion's den. The second part of the chapter in chapter six is we don't choose our moments, but we choose to show up. We don't choose our moments, but we choose how we show up with faith, with trust, with hope, with submission, with dependence. And you know, all throughout the scriptures from, from Genesis to Revelation, or it's full of, of God's people not necessarily choosing their story or their moments or their circumstances. Most of the time they wouldn't choose those crises or those moments, but they chose how they showed up in those moments with faith and, and with trust and, and with hope and with love. Let me just go back in the Hebrew Testament to a couple of those memorable only God moments and how people chose to to show up in those moments, even when they didn't choose them. Remember Abraham counting the stars and him choosing to say, hey, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe God. And God credited Abraham with what? With righteousness in his faith. And he does the same thing for us today. By faith. God credits to us righteousness as we trust in Jesus and his perfect sacrifice for us. Moses leading the people of Israel across the Red Sea and saying to to Pharaoh, let my people go. Choosing to, to show up in that moment, even reluctantly if you remember the story. Joshua seeing God knock down the walls of Jericho and saying, guys, God is with us. God is with us today. Elijah on Mount Carmel seeing fire come down and saying, hey, you got to choose to worship God or worship Baal. You got to choose who you're going to trust and put your faith in today. Hannah praying for a child, God giving her uh, Samuel and, and her saying, for this child I've prayed. I've trusted God for this moment. David with five smooth stones before a giant and saying, I will fight for us. I'll go and fight this giant. I'll go stand before him because he's speaking against the living and the true God. I'll fight for us. I'll choose to to show up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3 saying, no matter what happens to us, you can can throw us in a fiery furnace in this moment, but we're not going to worship and bow down to this idol. Daniel here in chapter 6, being threatened with a lion's den in this moment and choosing in that moment to pray and to thank God and trust him. Look at verse 11. The, the sentence, the ordinance is passed by Darius. And what does Daniel do? He goes to his, to his room. He opens up the windows towards Jerusalem, the sign of hope that God would one day answer his prayers and return the exiles back to Jerusalem. And he prays and he trusts and he thanks God. He shows up in this moment. You know, moments like this, only God moments, like we, like we say around here at New City, these, these miracle moments happen, watch this, when God's grace meets our obedience. 
It's all God's grace and his power and his strength, but it's our submissiveness, our dependence, our trust, our faith on his power and his presence in our lives. Let me say it another way. It's God's strength intersecting with my submission. God, I can't, but you can. God, if you don't come through in this moment, in this story, in this circumstance, in this crisis in my life, and I know that some of you are journeying in that moment right now, You've heard me say before, you're coming out of a crisis, you're in a crisis, you're getting ready to go into a crisis. God, if you don't come through in this moment, in this crisis, I'm through. God's office is at the end of your rope. When you come to the end of yourself, that's where God does his best work. And it's never, ever, ever on accident. These only God moments of faith, moments that we talk about all of these years later, later Daniel and the lion's den, this, this incredible moment, it didn't happen on accident. You, you, you don't just fall into following God no matter what. And we talked about last week, following God no matter what is like walking up a down escalator. I've got to every single day choose to step forward in faith and trust because the culture and everything else in my life is pulling me the other direction. So I've got to choose to follow God no matter what. It'll never just happen. How did you choose to follow God no matter what and, and become a person that relies on God in faith? I, I, don't, I don't know. It just, it just sort of happened to me. Have you ever heard that story before? No. And you never will. Following God no matter what, just like Daniel in this moment, happens with intentionality, with showing up. And here's the deal, guys. Just like all of those biblical characters that I mentioned before in Daniel's story in these moments, they weren't perfect. And neither are we, right? Can we agree on that? You know, no perfect people allowed here, right? There's no such thing. Their faith wasn't perfect. But watch this. It was present. Their faith wasn't perfect, but it was present. Jesus said faith of a mustard seed can move mountains. It's not the size of your faith, it's the size of the one that you're putting your faith in. Their faith wasn't perfect, but it was present. And that faith intersecting, right, where the big and powerful and strong and rescuing God creates these only God moments that oftentimes we don't get to choose, but we do get to choose how we show up to them. So with that in mind, would you stand to your feet and let's read the second half of the story. Daniel chapter 6, verses 17 through 28. Daniel in the lion's den. The word of God to you today. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. And the king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles, so that no one could rescue Daniel. Hmm. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment, and he couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel! Servant of the living God, was your God, whom you serve so faithfully, was he able to rescue you from the lions? Verse 21, Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths 
so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. The lions leapt up upon them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Verse 28, so Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. The word of God to you today. You may be seated. Thank you. What an incredible moment. So much to say about this passage. And I want to encourage you to read the passage again and, and ask God to speak to your heart in your moment and circumstance and situation. But today I want to share three observations from this moment from this story that we find in Daniel chapter six, specifically verses 17 through 28. So if you have a, a pen or a pencil or anything to take notes or you're taking notes on your phone, maybe just write down these three observations that I pray will be applications for each of us today. The first is this, Daniel's worst circumstance reveals his greatest characteristic. You know, crisis reveals what's in our hearts already. We talked about last week that crisis is like squeezing a tube of toothpaste and whatever's inside just comes out. And it's the same for these moments in our lives. These difficult circumstances that oftentimes we would not choose reveals what's in our hearts. And it reveals for Daniel his greatest attribute, his greatest characteristic, which is his faithfulness. He was faithful to follow God no matter what. Going all the way back to chapter 1, verse 8, but Daniel resolved. And that resolve in his heart resulted in faithfulness throughout his life. Look at verses 19 and 20 specifically. The very next morning after Daniel's thrown into the lion's den, the king hurries. He runs to the lion's den. And when he gets there, he calls out in anguish, circle that in your Bibles, in anguish Darius cries out, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you? What Daniel is known for in this moment, even by Darius who hasn't known him very long, is his faithfulness. I wonder what people who are watching our lives would say about our faith journeys. 
what they observe in us, especially in our difficult moments and circumstances, what comes out? Wouldn't you love it to be, to be said about you, the God whom you serve so faithfully? You are so faithful to follow God no matter what. It's amazing that what's going on all around Daniel, all throughout his life, we meet him as a 15-year-old, now he's in his early 80s in chapter 6. And it's amazing all around Daniel's life, all the things that were changing, all the things that were coming at him so fast, and yet his heart continues to follow God. He, He hides and guards his heart. He takes God's truth and he puts it deep within his heart so that it, it comes out and he's like a, a tree, Psalm 1, who, who is, is blooming in season and, and out of season always. I, I think it's fascinating the story, maybe you haven't noticed this before, that when Darius runs to the tomb and he unseals it and he cries out to Daniel in, in, in anguish, and this, this points to their relationship the closeness of their relationship and the bond that had been formed between the two of them. And he asked Daniel a question, right? Is the God whom you serve so faithfully, was he able to save you? And maybe just if you're taking notes, just write this down. I think that's actually the question that culture is asking us. I think that's actually the question that your neighbors, that your coworkers, that your family members who are watching you and your faith journey, that's not perfect but present and following Jesus, that they're asking each of you, each of us. Is God real? That's what Darius is saying. Is God real? Is he, is he able? Can he rescue? Does he care? You know, C.S. Lewis said, every single person on the planet, either consciously or subconsciously, is asking two basic fundamental questions. That includes each of us. The first question is, does God exist? Is there a God who made me, who knows me, who formed me? Is there a purpose for me and everything in this world? Does God exist? And the second question Lewis said is, if God exists, can he be trusted? Can I trust him with my life? Especially in my difficult moments and circumstances, can I put my faith and my trust in him? Because we're all gonna put our faith and our trust in someone or something, especially in crisis moments. Can I put my trust and my hope in God? Daniel, is the God whom you serve so faithfully, was he able to rescue you? Don't you hear the cry of Darius's heart? Is there a God that made me? that knows me? Is there a purpose for all of this? Can he rescue? Can he be trusted, Daniel? And how does all of this come about? It comes about because of Daniel's faithful testimony before Daniel, D- Darius that led up to the lion's den moment. And we talked about last week how we handle moments, again, oftentimes what is most revealing about what's in our hearts, especially the difficult crisis moments of our life. Do you you remember this? We talked about three ways that, that most people handle moments. The first way is that we panic. And I confessed in front of all of you that that's, that's typically my go-to in my flesh, that I want to take control when we panic. We take control, we try to, the illusion of control, 
We try to grab onto the moment. I'll take, I'll take it from here, God. I've got it. I'll take the controls here. And we have this illusion of control that I can control my life and the other, other people around me. And so that's what panic is. It's, it's in our anxiety, in our, and many times our mistrust, we put our trust in ourselves and we take control of the moment. The second way is we get what? We get paralyzed. We panic, we take control of the moment. What happens when we're paralyzed? The moment takes control of us. And we shrink and we think that there's, there's no way that I'm going get, to get out of this. I, 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 I'm not going to say or do anything because, because the moment has taken over me. And then there's a third way, of course, and that's to pray. And it's more than just the act of praying, it's the posture of prayer. And we talked about last week that prayer, which is exactly what Daniel does, go back and read verses 10 and 11. As soon as a decree is passed that nobody can pray to anyone or anything but Darius, Daniel goes and he prays and he trusts God and he goes right back to this posture that he's been living by, which is a posture of submission and faithfulness and trust in the living God. And in that posture, right, God is able to show up in a way that we can't. I wrote here in my notes, you will not, listen to this, you will not rise to the occasion. You will rise to your level of faith in God. The truth is Daniel wasn't relying on himself at all. The prequel to this moment is Daniel going to his house and praying and asking God to show up because he knew, I can't take control of the moment. That's not going to work. I can't let this moment take control of me and be paralyzed. God, I need you to take control of this moment. I need you to be real. I need you to be strong. Guys, God is in control of your life or he's not. There's no halfway to that. You're either trusting God in these moments or you're not. And it's through prayer, that third way that we enter into this posture saying, God, you're in control and I need you to be big in this moment. But just parenthetically before we move on, verse 28, the end of the story is that Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and Cyrus, right? So I just wanna, just wanna highlight something here about how he handles this moment and how this difficult moment reveals his greatest characteristic, which I believe is his faithfulness, his steady hope and trust in God through all these crisis moments. Daniel goes back to work for Darius. Remember that time, Darius, that you tried to kill me? Remember when you threw me in the lion's den? I mean, if, if that's not an HR complaint, I don't know what is in, in serving, right? <laughs> But seemingly, Daniel just, well, that was weird. I mean, that was, I, let's just get back to work. Let's get back to work. And he's just faithful. It just shows his steady heart, his faith, because ultimately Daniel wasn't serving Darius. He was serving God, and he trusted God in this moment. His worst circumstance or moment reveals his greatest attribute or characteristic and maybe just maybe it does the same for us as Christ followers and some of our worst moments it reveals this great hope and strength and trust that we have in Jesus and him alone here's the second thing you have an enemy who tells you lies Jesus said that when uh, the Pharisees spoke they spoke <laughs> they spoke the language of their father who was a, a liar their native tongue 
When you speak lies, Jesus told them, you're, you're speaking, you're speaking uh, the native tongue of your father, the, your, the enemy who was the father of lies, the great deceiver. Um, this may seem strange. I'm going to quote from the usual suspects here. In the movie, it says, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. That's true. The greatest lie that the enemy tells each of us is that he's not real. Peter knows better, and he writes this before the end of his life. He says, your enemy, the devil, 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a, this is interesting, a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And then he encourages us, resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the church is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. I want you to look at those two words in verse 9, resist and stand firm. Those aren't passive words. They're active. In other words, show up. You have an enemy who is telling you and other people around you lies. And the way to overcome that is to actively resist him with truth and to stand firm in your faith, to show up. Your enemy wants you to believe. And so for some of you, this, this might hit really close to home for what you're believing right now. The enemy wants you to believe that your circumstance cannot change and neither can you. You'll never change and the circumstance will never change. That the situation that you're up against is impossible and that God will not work the same way for you today as he has for others. Maybe some of you are believing or hearing that lie right now. He'll tell you you're the only one that's suffering in this way. If only other people knew your problems and your situation, your moment, they would, they would understand why you can't follow God and trust him in this. I want to encourage someone in here today, someone watching that hope, hope in someone, in something beyond ourselves, hope in the living God who rescues, those are the very words of Darius, is something that the enemy doesn't understand. He, he can't comprehend how we would put our hope in someone or something other than ourselves, especially in difficulty or in trials. Daniel's response to Darius, look at verse 22, tells us everything that we need to know about his faithfulness and what he's believing, him standing firm and resisting the enemy. He says in verse 22, my God sent his angel. Let me just stop right there. And if you're following along in your scriptures, highlight that, underline that. The same thing happens in chapter three with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There's a fourth in the fire. Most historians believe that this is a Christophany, another Christophany, an appearance of a pre-incarnate Christ 500 years before his birth. Protecting Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the flames and protecting Daniel from the lions. Daniel says the angels shut the mouths of the lions, that they weren't able to hurt him because, why? Because he was found innocent, because he was right before God, he was ready for anybody else for anything else. And he says, I haven't wronged you, your majesty. This is, this is Jesus being Jesus in this moment, our deliverer, our rescuer. The truth is that, I love this, that the lions of, of Babylon, 
that were left there by the empire of Babylon, that were used by Darius the, 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 the Persian. The lions of Babylon had not met the lion of Judah. And it's going to take, it's going to take the lion of Judah, Jesus, to shut the mouths of the lions of our Babylon. The circumstances and the moment that you find yourself in today, you can't, this is, hey, if you're hearing this message of, I just got to, I just got to power up, I just got to, I just got to bow up and face the lions in my life, you're not hearing the message. That wasn't what Daniel did. He prayed and he let God be God in his life. He submitted to the presence and the power of God in his life. He let the Lion of Judah defeat the Lions of Babylon all around him, and we have to do the same. And, and by the way, when the exiles are eventually released and they go back, Zechariah is, is one of the prophets, and he prophesies to, to King Zerubbabel, who is over all the exiles, trying to rebuild the temple and trying to rebuild the city in Jerusalem. And God says to him, it's not by might or by power, Zechariah 4.6. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not your power. It's not you bowing up and, 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 and getting all big and thinking that you're going to defeat the lions in your life. No, it's by, it's by God's spirit working in and through you. And this is a forerunner story. This is so rich. This is a forerunner story, of course, to the resurrection story. If we go back to verses 16 and 17, Daniel was thrown into a tomb and a stone is rolled over the tomb. And 500 years later, we would see this same story repeated in a different context. And Jesus showed up in the tomb of Daniel. And Jesus shows up with his resurrection power and life 500 years later in the tomb. Jesus is undefeated against death. He brings life and light and on this day where death is celebrated in our culture, I want to speak a word of life and light. That the line of Judah would show up in your life in such a strong and powerful way. Not because of you, but because of your, the presence of your faith inviting his spirit to work in and through you. That people around you would see that God is real and that he can be trusted, that we can put our hope in him. Final observation, you're better off in a den of lions with God than you are in a palace of kings without God. You go back to chapter five, Belshazzar, who's the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, is throwing a huge party with a thousand lords, a thousand princes and nobles, and we know how that ends. And now these other nobles that helped to seal uh, Daniel's fate, his tomb with their signet rings, thinking that they had defeated Daniel. No one can rescue him, but God did. And these very same nobles and princes, look at verses 23 and 24, are thrown into the lion's den. And, and lest we think that the lions were just, you know, they weren't hungry that day or they just, they, they didn't want to eat. It's, they can't even hit the floor before they're devoured. And what it shows us is that we're better off in a difficult circumstance with God than in a great circumstance without God. And here's my, here's my theory, guys, okay? This is, this is, my, this is my theory reading into the, to the passage and, and studying it. I think Daniel 
We know Daniel was known for his faithfulness, that his worst circumstance or moment reveals his greatest characteristic, his faithfulness. But I think specifically, Daniel has been discipling Darius. He's been mentoring him. Remember the emotion that Darius shows us? He didn't sleep. He fasted the whole night. He runs the next day to the lion's den. He cries out to Daniel in anguish, in emotion. There's a connection. And I think Daniel realizes that all the the years of his life, he's been 66 years now in captivity, that every single moment of faithfulness has led to this moment. Maybe the most important moment of his life in displaying the power and the presence of God. And because Daniel has become a mentor to Darius and they've, they've connected, remember in verse three, Darius wanted to put Daniel over his entire empire. Darius is in his 60s, Daniel is in his 80s. Again, Daniel couldn't sleep and by inference, uh, or Darius couldn't sleep in the palace and by inference, uh, Daniel is at ease and resting in the lion's den. Darius is the one, you would think it's Daniel crying out in anguish, but it's Darius crying out in anguish. He cares about Daniel. Can we agree on that? And here's the other thing. He's curious about Daniel's God. Was your God whom you serve so faithfully able? There's so many people in your circle right now. Everyone watch this. I'm almost done. There's so many people in our circles right now that are watching you in the moments that you're in, the moments of crisis and difficulty, that diagnosis, the divorce, the rebellious child that, that, that is breaking your heart, the situation at work, the situation in your family. There's so many people that are watching how you're going to show up in that. They care about you and they're curious about your God. They're curious about what you believe and how you'll choose to trust him. And here's what I believe as we close. I believe that Daniel in the lion's den, this incredible only God moment, that the miracle is not for Daniel. I actually believe that this miracle moment is for Darius. And some people believe that Darius was was Cyrus's general that came and defeated the Babylons and then he was just a placeholder. Some people believe that Darius ruled for a short time and then ceded his power to Cyrus. But many historians and commentators are now beginning to see and understand and believe, and I do as well, that Darius was Cyrus. That Darius was just the throne name for Cyrus the Persian. And you go, well, that's kind of an anticlimactic way to end this story of Daniel in the lion's den. Well, when we understand historical context, it's, it's incredibly important. Why is it important to understand that Darius was Cyrus the Persian? Because Cyrus the Persian was God's chosen instrument to release the exiles. He issued a decree for the exiles to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. And moreover, he helped to support it. Go back and look at 2 Chronicles, Ezra, and even fast forward a generation, Nehemiah, and what's happening. And all of this began with this moment of Darius, who is Cyrus, issuing a decree to let the captives go back to Jerusalem. This moment that Daniel is best known for in chapter 6 is the last recorded moment of Daniel's life. 
We're going to get into four prophetic visions in the month of November as we, we finish our study of Daniel. Four different visions that we'll cover. This is the last first-person historical narrative, the last recorded moment of Daniel's life. And who is it spent with? Darius, who is most likely Cyrus. And again, why is this important? Go and read this week Ezra 1 one, where the prophet Ezra begins to talk about the exiles returning, and he starts the story with saying this, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus. Hmm. How did the Lord stir up the spirit of Cyrus, a pagan king, to give favor to God's people and release them? Kings don't release people to return back home. They, they don't do that. What, what happened in his heart and his life that caused him to change? Look at 2 Chronicles 36, 22 and 23. Let me read it to you. In the first year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, the king of Persia. Underline that. He made a proclamation throughout his realm, and he also put it into writing. And this is what Cyrus, the king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he's appointed me to build a temple for him in Jerusalem of Judah. What? Any of his people among you may go up, and may the Lord their God be with them. How in the world does a pagan king begin to talk like this? Because of his mentor, Daniel. This only God moment that he chose to show up for so that God could show himself to be real and true. The God who rescues and saves. I'll close right here. Daniel doesn't get to return home with the exiles. He's in his early 80s at this point in his life, and he's too old to make the 500-plus-mile journey back from Babylon to Jerusalem. But I, I picture Daniel smiling as he watches the exiles, some of them who came with him and many of them the next generation, taking the same steps that he took all those years before back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple to be the people of God in that place. Daniel, again, he was too old to make the trip back home, but he followed God no matter what, and he set up the next generation to do the exact same thing, to follow God no matter what. And maybe, just maybe, New City, God's calling us as a people to do the exact same thing to trust him, to follow him no matter what, and to set up the next generation of resilient Christ followers to do the same in the generation to come. Bottom line today, we don't choose our moments. We do choose how we show up to them. We don't oftentimes get to choose our circumstances, our stories, our situations, but we do get to choose how we show up with faith, with trust, with humility, with obedience to God. Daniel showed up to this moment, and may we do the same in the moments that we're facing today and to come. To Christ be the glory. Would you pray with me? Let's pray together.
Daniel said, long live the king. And we say that today. Long live the king, King Jesus. May you rule and reign forever, Jesus. Would you rescue and would you save and would you comfort and would you be present to each of us in our moments today? Would you help each of us to choose to trust you and to follow you no matter what? You are the living God who rescues and saves his people, who performs miracles and signs and wonders. So we trust you. And we ask that you would show up and do and be who only you can in our moments and our lives. And would you help the people that are watching us how we're journeying and handling these moments in our life. Would you help those who care about us and are curious about our God to see you for who you are and to trust you in the same way we're trusting you. We pray this in the name of Jesus.